Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Josh, for that, that warm welcome, and, and thank you, Pastor Bob. You guys have some amazing pastors here. Will you give it up for Pastor Josh and Pastor Bob? I mean, it's truly amazing. Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself, if you don't already. You may know the football side of it. I, I did play four years with the New Orleans Saints. Was blessed to be able to play in a Super Bowl to recover the onside kick for the New Orleans Saints and for the city of New Orleans. And uh, I have people come up to me all the time. They'll just look at me and start crying. And I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Did somebody die? And, she, and they're like, no, just thank you. You know, and I'm like, what? And, and then they start saying the recovery, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. You know, but what a blessing it is to be able to have a platform, to be able to go into schools or anywhere that I go and to say, yeah, you can see the ring. You can see, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, accolades and the awards and the status of the NFL. But more importantly, I want to tell you about Jesus and how awesome that is. So it's such a blessing to be here, but all my life growing up, it really wasn't like that. I'll share a short testimony with you guys, just because I know later tonight, men, we're going to be in the house tonight, man. I'm going to be here. I know. All the ladies are looking over like, really? Really? You know, but, uh, and you guys will get to know me a little bit more tonight, but for you ladies, a little bit more about me. Uh, when I was two years old, my dad, my dad walked out on, on me and my mom and my brother. And so I grew up in a fatherless home, which is very, very common, sadly, in this day and age. And so growing up without a father, I had no identity. I didn't know who I was or the man that I wanted to be. I had no idea who God created me to be because if my own father didn't love me, why would I think a heavenly father would love me? And so for the longest time, I really remember not having that father figure. And so I dove myself into sports because I was good at it. And I found my identity in performance. And much like a dog sits and you give it a treat, I got accolades, awards, praise. Sometimes my dad would come around too if I played well. And so to me, I, I became, my identity was performance. It was performance-based. And so growing up, that's really all I did was sports, 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 tried to be perfect, tried to be the best. And for the most part, I did it. Now, we went to church. It was, it was kind of on and off again church. And maybe you're kind of like that too. And you kind of come sometimes, but you're not really serious about it. Well, that's how me and my mom and my brother were. We weren't really serious about it. And when I got to the age of about 13, I looked at my mom and said, I'm not going to church anymore. I said, I don't really need God. I'm pretty much perfect. Like I, I told her that. I was like, I'm doing good. I have good grades. I have, I'm really good at sports. I don't need God. Like, I don't think he's going to help me. And so my mom, obviously distraught because she doesn't want to see me be the wayward son. And so she ends up saying, okay, let's go to a different church. And I go to a different church, and it's a small, little, little church. And we walk in, and for the first time, I remember a pastor getting up and talking about Jesus, but in a real and authentic way that I never heard about before. And so I was so intrigued that I went on this kind of faith walk and I just started journeying. I didn't dive right in right away, but I did. I started reading the Bible. I started reading books. I, I tried to get any information I could because I wanted to know who God was. I really thought I could uh, rationalize who God was. And then I wanted to know who Jesus was. Was he really who he says he was? Everything else. And what I found out uh, wasn't that knowledge doesn't get you there. It helps, but it doesn't get you there. And I remember it was 2001, August of 2001, I was 17 years old. I was in high school. I was the man on campus. I was an All-American, started both ways. Uh, you name it, I, I probably did it. That was just me. And so I was the man. And so I remember one practice, and I was, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm pretty hard on myself. 
And I remember I had a bad practice. And if you're a perfectionist and you do something wrong or something goes wrong, you kind of beat yourself up over it. And so I'm driving home, I remember, and I'm just kicking myself. And for some reason, I just started crying. And so I'm in my car, I'm 17 years old, and I just started crying. So much so that I pulled over the car, and I just remember saying the most authentic prayer I've ever said in my entire life. And I just said, God, I, I can't do this alone anymore. And at the age of 17, I surrendered my life to Christ in my car. It wasn't, I didn't pray a prayer. I didn't raise my hand in a church like a lot of you maybe did or maybe come up to an altar. I wish I had, but I was in my car, me and God. And he said, you don't have to do this alone anymore. And I gave my life to Christ right then and there. I went home, I told my mom, and we wept together. We walked together. And it was truly amazing that I know that God had blessed my life. He had set forth a plan for me that I had no idea no idea what I was walking into. And so I went to Georgia Tech on a football scholarship, blessed to be at a great school. But more importantly, because I prayed about this decision, where should I go? And for some reason, God was pointing me to Georgia Tech, not just because it was a smart school, but God wanted me there for some reason. And I found out that reason. Because when I came in, there was a guy named Derek Moore. Now, the voice you heard on that video that we made was Derek's voice. Now, Derek is the chaplain for, for Georgia Tech football team. And, and he became my mentor. He discipled me. He showed me what it was like to be a real man of God, to be a father, to be a husband, to, to know how to step out in your faith. He pushed me beyond what I thought it could be pushed. More importantly, he saw in me more than I saw in myself. And I think we all need that sometimes. Someone to see in us more than we see in ourselves. And so he pushed me, he grew me, he stretched my faith. And it was truly amazing to see how God was changing me. But more importantly, I had this burden for my father. You see, my dad, and a lot of people may not know, but my dad, when he walked out, my dad was an alcoholic, had so many addictions. I mean, you can name it. He did it. And he was successful in what he did. However, he drowned himself in drugs and everything else. And it was terrible, and it broke my heart to see that. And so I started to pray for my father. For four years, all throughout college, I started to pray for my dad, thinking, God, if he could see, if he could experience God the way I had experienced you, I know his life would be changed. But I know I couldn't preach to my dad, so I had to just live it and walk it. That was my thing. And so for four years, I prayed for my dad. I invited him to, a, to an FCA event, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was the president of FCA at Georgia Tech, and so I invited him to this parent's breakfast. I didn't know my dad would even come, and he said yes. And so he walked in, and at the age of 47, my dad gave his life to Christ. At the age of 47. And the coolest part about it wasn't that just that my dad gave his life to Christ, but that he came up to me and said, hey, Chris, I'd love to know more about this Jesus thing. And so we walked together. We just, I discipled my dad, and for those four years that God had prepared me and stretched me and grown my faith and saying, you can do this, trust in me, I'm going to do great things in your life. It had nothing to do with football, nothing to do with football. And so little did I know, I look back now and say, it was to disciple my dad for a son to disciple his father. And it's a weird dynamic. My dad still comes to me today asking for advice, looking for guidance, and we have this great relationship that God has restored. I don't, I've forgiven him a while back. That's all gone and done. All the things that he's done. And so now we have an amazing relationship. Like I said, I went on to be blessed to be able to play in the NFL and to do many great things. But you know what? The greatest thing is coming here to Lafayette and to Jennings and to all the places that I get to go. 
It's, it's truly amazing. I never thought I would be working at a church in Lafayette, Louisiana, the farthest place from my mind. Trust me, guys. All right? If you would, you would have told me in the NFL, you're going to be a pastor one day, I would have laughed at you and said, get away from me, you crazy person. That's what I would have said. I really thought that. I had no idea. But I came down here last year uh, to speak. I started speaking all across the country after my uh, career was done. And I started speaking, and, and they invited me down for a football Sunday last February. And so I came down to speak, and Pastor Jacob, if you guys know anything about Pastor Jacob, but he, he's very forward, and, and he's, he's a, a leader off of intuition, and I love that about him. And so right after service, I get up and speak a little bit, like five minutes, nothing big deal. I signed some autographs. It was just one of those things like, you know, a meet and greet, no, nothing big deal. I didn't preach or anything like that. And so uh, afterwards, he comes up to me, and he's very forward, and he says, uh, Chris, what do you think about moving down to Lafayette, Louisiana? I was living in Georgia at this time. He said, what do you think about moving uh, to Lafayette, Louisiana? And I like almost spit in his face. I laughed so hard. I was like, yeah, right. Like what's in Lafayette, Louisiana? <laughs> Not me. You know, uh, that was my thinking. I thought, you know, I'm, there's no way. And so I said, well, okay, I'll go home and pray about it. Like, okay. You know, knowing I really wasn't going to pray about it. And I said, well, I'll go take it to my wife. Cause I knew she was going to squash it right away. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to L.A. I'll go ask my wife. And so I go ask her, and she's like, we're not moving to Lafayette, Louisiana. And I was like, okay, good. Just wanted to make sure you were okay with that too. Uh, little did we know that God had a completely different plan for our lives and the way he wanted it to go. We actually ended up getting stuck in Lafayette for the next four days because of the ice and snow. Yeah, it never snows down here. Yeah, I know. You think God is telling us something, right? And so I looked at her. I remember this is the third, the, the third time our flight got canceled. And I said, I think God's trying to tell us something now. You know, it took three times. I'm kind of a Jonah kind of guy. I go in a different direction. And so uh, it, it, was, it was kind of crazy. We went home. We prayed about it. And uh, my wife came to me. And she said, I think we're supposed to go. And I said, yeah, I think so too. And she said, I think uh, the reason is because I, I don't want to go. But I know a lot of times the things that I don't want to do, God wants me to do. And so it, it was cool to see my wife step up and say, I think we should go out of all the inconveniences of packing up a house and two kids and, a do- and two dogs at the time and selling our house. And we thought, no way we'll be able to do this in a short time. We sold our house in two days. Uh, yeah, that, that's how it was. We came down here. We found a house. And I said, Pastor Jacob, what am I going to be doing for my job? And he said, yep, go at it, man of God. Go, go do your thing. And I said, what's my thing? He's like, yeah, go do it. Yep. And I'm like, what's my job? And he's like, you know, sports stuff, go. You know, and, and so that was Pastor Jacob. And, and so we got together. I mean, that's really how it was, honestly. And I'm sitting there like, what did I just come into right now? I have no idea. Well, I come to find out Pastor Jacob is a man that, that uh, he, he chaplained at Saints. He discipled a lot of NFL guys. He loves sports. And that's what I loved about him. And through the 15 years that he had actually started Lafayette Campus and Broussard and Opelousas and everything else while he was doing that, he built relationships in the schools in Lafayette, Acadiana, um, Como, everywhere. All his pastors did. And so he would place chaplains on the football teams. That was just something he loved to do because he saw that there was value in there and, and what the men brought to these players and to these coaches. And so that's what he did. He placed these chaplains in place just kind of sporadically. Nothing really... No team, no, no cohesion. It was just kind of you go here, you go here, that's, that's good. And so I came in, he said, I want you to be over all these chaplains. So we created TEAM, and TEAM stands for Total Elite Athletic Ministry. And, and it's such a blessing. Our mission at TEAM is really to leverage sports in order to impact lives. All we're doing 
is reaching people, building lives through sports. That's, that's really all, all we're doing. We're using sports as a mechanism to really reach people and build lives. That's what we want to do. And we do that through placing chaplains on sports teams. And it's cool because we, we, we earned two of them. We, uh, we're, we got on two teams this year in Northside, and you guys were our second team. And it was truly amazing. And it was, it's awesome what God is doing through team. It's crazy. And these are all volunteer chaplains that do it. Nobody works for the church who is on, who's on team. Nobody works for the church except for me. That's it. And these guys spend so much time. They do devotion for the kids and the coaches. They do chapels. They do Bible studies. They pray for the kids. They mourn with the kids. They rejoice with the kids and the coaches. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. If I had the time, I would tell you story after story this year of how God is moving in the schools through sports. Because how many of you know that time is coming when God's going to be completely removed from all schools? Any aspect of it. However, I truly believe that sports and Christianity have a connection that nobody wants to take away. That nobody wants to take away. And it won't be taken away because it's one of those things. For one, sports rule almost all schools. Everybody knows that. And if the coach says, I want a chaplain or somebody on a team, most people are like, that's cool. He says it. That's cool. I'll do it. It's accepted. I mean, I go to all these games around here and everybody, they pray over the loudspeaker before every game. How cool is that? How, how much of a blessing is that? So this is a way that we can bring and serve the community by what we do. And when I was talking to Pastor Josh about it, it was, it was really, really cool to see that our church family from here to uh, Lafayette, all the way up to St. Louis, to Destin, Florida, everywhere in between our church family. As I'm talking to all the pastors about this, they all get super excited. We need that. We need that in our schools. We need that. We need that. We need and it's, it's awesome to see the way God is truly working in the schools through team. And I'm just blessed to be a part of it. I'm blessed to be here, to be able to honor Coach Phelps, the football team, and what God is doing in Jennings. If you're a part of the football team, player or coach, would you just stand up right now real quick? Just stand up. Coaches, players. Would you guys give them a hand? Thank you, guys. Thank you. I just want to recognize you guys because it's such a blessing to be a part of a team. And a lot of people don't realize it's, it's very sacred for a coach to say you have access to our team. It's a very sacred thing. And we just want to serve. That's all we want to do. I remember when I meet with coaches all the time, I tell them, I said, we don't want anything from you. We want to give everything to you. Because they have so many people come in trying to sell them this or, hey, buy this mouthpiece or, hey, we have a training package for you. And it's all about spending money. And we say, we want to give you all that we can. That's all we want to do. And our chaplains don't just do devotions and Bible studies. They're not just spiritual leaders on that team, but they also serve. I have a guy in Lafayette. He's on the Lafayette football team. And I remember it was the first game of the year. And as you know, in September, it, when it rains, it pours in September. And it was pouring that day. And it was, the ground was soaking wet. And, and so he's out there just kind of on the sideline walking around. And he realized nobody's drying off the balls on the sideline. So without even asking, he picks up a towel and he just starts drying off the balls. And he's up to mud, I mean, on his jeans. And he's just caked everywhere. And he's just drying it off. That's that servant mentality that all our chaplains have. They're willing to, to get dirty in order to serve the team and serve the guys. I have a lot of guys who are almost coaches pretty much. You know, if a coach is out sick, they fill in. Or if they need somebody to fill in stretching, they stretch the guys. I and mean, that's what these guys do. They serve. 
And you guys have an amazing chaplain with Andrew Nookum here at Jennings High. And before I introduce him, oh yeah, I see, I know you are going to clap. But it's truly amazing. Let me tell you, before I, I, I bring him up here and introduce him, I want to tell a little story because it, it's quite, I think it's funny, but nobody else may think it's funny. But I, I think it's funny because uh, I was contacted by Scott. I didn't know Scott. We were just Facebook friends. And he said, hey, Pastor Josh told me about team and we want to get somebody over here. And I, and I said, where's over here? And he said, Jennings. And I said, where's Jennings? And, uh, and, and so we, we went back and forth. We spoke on the phone text and he was like, next week we're going to meet. Let's go. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do, let's take it slow. We'll be, we'll do like a preliminary meeting. Let's see if we can set something up with coach and see what we can do. You know, I like to build relationships and build trust first before just going in, making the ask. And, uh, and that's not the way Scott was moving. He was moving at, at light speed, which was great. <laughs> Which was great, but I was like, I don't even have a chaplain yet. He's like, don't worry about it. We got to take care of it. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see about that. Like, all right. I don't know you, and I don't know who you're picking, but okay. Um, so we meet up at this school. I'm like, we're just going to talk to Coach Phelps. No big deal. All right, cool. So we go up to the school, and we walk in. There's Scott and Andrew right there. He's like, Scott's like, hey, how's it going? First time I met him, and first time I met Andrew. And, uh, and Scott's like, here's your chapel. And I'm like, okay, that's, I don't know you, but okay. And so we're walking into a meeting with Coach Phelps, and we had just met literally five seconds ago. So we're, we're walking in there, and we sit down with Coach Phelps and have a great conversation. And, and I just, I don't even know the words come out of my I said, here's your chaplain, Coach. Here he goes. You know, little did I know that I was uh, linking myself to an amazing man of God, amazing husband, amazing father, his loyalty to OSC, his loyalty to team, but more importantly, his faithfulness and strength in Christ is what amazes me about this man. Would you guys give it up for the chaplain at Jennings High, Andrew Nocum? Come on up, bud. Now, this dude is, is, is pretty special, and we, we've... Uh, we have a bond like no other now. And uh, every other Monday, uh, I, I have a chaplain's meeting with all my chaplains. And uh, it's in Lafayette because most of my guys are around the Lafayette area. And he drives an hour all the way there. And he actually makes more meetings than most of my guys who live 15 minutes away. You know, I mean, and, and it's just, that just shows the character of who this man is. And I'm just, I'm honored, honored to be in his presence. So it's truly amazing. But when I, when I went to Andrew and I said, hey, man, we're going to honor the Jennings High football team. I said, I want to give away a team award. That's what we're going to call it, a team award. I want to honor a player on the team that really embodies what the team is all about. That's what we want to do. I said, I really, really want to do that. He knew somebody right away. He spat his name out. I said, I know who it is. He goes, and he said, well, what's the team award all about? And I said, basically, it's someone who's selfless. It's not necessarily the first string guy or, or a star player. It could be, but maybe it's the guy on the bench that just says, hey, hey, you're doing awesome. You know, that first string is like, you're doing awesome. Encouraging the team, putting people, putting others first. That's what we're all about. And that's what Christ is all about. And so that's the team award. So I'm going to let Andrew introduce our recipient of this year's team award. Um, this year's recipient of the team award, the reason why I knew right away was um, we were at a game that we knew we were going to win. And um, he's, <laughs> okay, I'm not saying against who, but we were at a game we knew who we were going we to win. And he was up there, and he missed a tackle, and someone got it. And he came to the sidelines, and he was shaking his head. Man, 
I can do better. I can do better. And I said, go do better. And he went out there, boom, and he popped the running back, and they had a loss. And it's not just that, that he, that he just accepted. I said, you're going to do better. Is every game and every practice, he's on the sidelines just waiting, and he's ready, and he's, he's egging people on. He's, he's, he's uh, hyping people up. He's like, let's go. Let's get out there. Let's go. Let's get out there. Because for some of you that know, on day of practice, if you're, if you're on offense and you're not practicing, you're not paying attention. He plays defense. The offense was out there, and he was paying attention. So when, when Chris told me about the team war, I was like, I want to give it to this man because he embodies everything that this award is for. So Jude Bonet, would you come up here, man? Let me just read what it says so you guys know um, how serious this is. Presented to the player who displays a high level of character through a relentless work ethic, selfless attitude, and a team-first mentality. That says a lot. I don't know about you, Jude, but I, I received a lot of awards, and I would love to get this award. Something about your character, something about your work ethic. That's what it's all about. And the scripture that we have is John 15, 12, and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends, man. Appreciate you and your work ethic and all that you do. Give it up, guys, for Jude. Thanks, man. Congrats, man. Thank you. I know that's, that's awesome, and I love, I love giving out awards and blessing people. And the next person we're going to bring up here and recognize is uh, somebody that, that, that Andrew and I have grown close to in such a short amount of time. And, and uh, it's amazing how God puts people together and just links you together, and you're just connected. And you don't even really know how. You just know it's something about we share the same passion, and we share Christ with each other. And it's truly, truly blessed. So I'm going to let Andrew introduce Coach Phelps. So the first time that I ever seen Coach Phelps, we did a crawfish boil a couple years ago for all of Jennings High School. And I didn't really know who he was. All I knew was there was a guy in the corner who kept asking for more crawfish. <laughs> Everyone was done eating, but he just kept asking. And I'm like, well, who is that? And they're like, that's Coach Phelps. Like, oh, give him more crawfish. <laughs> and so... That was the first time I ever saw him, met him, and then when we walk into his office, and just to hear his heart of how much he cares for these teens, and then to see it on the field of how much he actually cares. So you guys, see, you guys are watching a game, and you just see the plays he calls, and you don't see what he does behind that. Yes, he coaches a great football team. Yes, he, he, he gets us a winning season, but what he does on top of that is he cares and loves these kids like his own because he, he worries about where they go at night. He worries about what their next meal is. So can y'all give a, a standing ovation to the winningest coach in Jennings High School football history, Coach Rusty Phelps. Awesome. Well, man, what a, what a blessing he is, and, and Coach, uh, I remember when we sat in, in your office and uh, we spoke, and uh, when we walked in, he was a little like, you know, he's chewing gum. You know how he does, coaches do it. And he's sitting there, and he's chewing gum. What y'all want? You know, like, how's it going? Russell Phelps, you know. And is that a pretty good impression of him, you think? No? Yeah? Or nod your head? 
And so he's sitting there, and he's a little tense, and I can see it. So we just start talking about football and the Saints, and then we start talking about, you know, where you work at, da 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 We start just kind of laying out some things, and as we go along, he starts to kind of get more relaxed, leaning back in his chair. And before you know it, it's the end, and he has his legs kicked up. He, he's, he's like, look at me right now. Look at me. He's like, but when you came in, I was so tense. I'm relaxed right now. I'm so relaxed. And, and, and that was the connection that we made. He's like, I feel like we've known each other for 20 years. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was awesome to get to know somebody like that and to have that, that connection. And it's truly a, a, a pleasure to be a part of a, a program that has a man of God at the center of it. How, how great is it to know that at the center of your program, you have someone who cares more about uh, the, the kids on that team and their spiritual welfare than winning or losing. How great is that? That's so rare in this day and age. So coach, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> he's nervous right now. Um, and so I just want to ask you a quick question. Um, Tell me, now I know Andrew came in towards the middle of the year, sometime in October, and we haven't spent a ton of time uh, being able to, to do a lot, but how has Andrew and team, how do you see it affecting your program, and how has it affected your program uh, this, this half of the season? Well, I, I think one of the things that it has done to our program, especially how you two handled it with me, uh, coming in and selling the fact that hey, we're, we're, it don't matter what religion you are, this, this, and this. This is how we want to do it. Uh, you saw how I was that day with you. Uh, yes, I was nervous, uptight. Um, I think that was a Thursday. It was the day before the game. And to be honest with you, when Scott said, hey, man, Chris Reese wants to come visit you, well, I'm being honest. I said, oh, man, this guy played for the Saints. I can get some special team stuff from him. <laughs> so that's how I'm that, – you, you, can see the, you can see the frame of mind that I was in. I, I was like, boy, I'm fixing to get me a great advantage here. Here's a guy who's been around Bobby April. Here's a guy who's been around all these guys. I'm, and then it never got that far, which was fine. Uh, somewhere today, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's child. Somewhere today in North Louisiana, my father is uh, preaching at 78 years old. Is that how old he is? 78 years old. Uh, so I understood what these two young men were trying to do. And it got to our point uh, in the season where we didn't kind of make a move until Andrew had prayed for us. We would sit in our lockers. And if he, if he, if he was busy at work, he'd run over for five minutes, and it was the calmness that it brought to us. And I think it really helped our program I'm a firm believer in the program. I'm excited about the program. And uh, we're looking for it to be even better next year through y'all's guidance. So thank you so much for everything. Appreciate you. That's awesome. And we're excited to, uh, to be with you for years and years to come. And, uh, and to partner with you. We, well, you know, here at OSC, we love to bless people. That's what we do. And we love to go big or go home. So th- that's kind of our motto besides reaching people, building lives. We don't put it up front, we, we, but it is go big or go home. That's what we do. Um, 
And so we, we, we just want to bless you, Coach, and just say thank you for all that you have done for us, for allowing us access to your team. And we want to, we want to bless you with this gift right here. If you would, just kind of open it and, and just see what it is. I don't know if you're going to like it or not. It's an iPad. I don't know if you're going to like that or not. Yeah, because they, they, they can't have it. They, my boys don't get it. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> perfect. It's mine. That's yours. That's all yours. That's all yours. So we just want to bless you with that, and, and hopefully maybe you can draw up some plays on it, use it for whatever you want, and that'll, that'll be great. Um, but I, I think also we, we really want to bless uh, – we know you're no good without your assistant coaches. Right. We, we know that. And any good coach always says, I couldn't do it without my assistant coaches. They do a lot of the work. They do. I just look good. And you do look good. Let me just tell you. I, I know so. And, and so we, we want to be able to bless your, co- your coaches too. So here's, here's a gift card. It's a $200 gift card for you to spend on all of your assistant coaches. Just for a way for us. You can take them out to dinner. You can do whatever you want. This is just a way for us to say thank you to you and to your coaches as well. But certainly not last, or certain last, but certainly not least, we want to bless the best part about you. What's the best part about you? It's the family business. It's the yeah. wife. It's the wife. That's right. I put him on the spot right there. He was either going to win or lose, real one or the other. You were going to tank or you, you, you know it. And, uh, and we, we want to bless Martha and, and because, look, we, we understand, and I understand especially being a family man, the sacrifices that it takes, you know. She's giving up time. So we just want to bless you and just say thank you for, for allowing this man to, to be able to do what he does, to pour into kids. And so it's just a small token for us to say thank you to you. So thank you so much for, for everything. Would you guys give up for Coach Phelps one more time? Thank you, Coach. Hold on, actually, real quick. Right now, I'm actually going to call, call up our head coach, Pastor Bubba, to come and just pray over Coach Phelps, the team, and everyone, just to bless them, um, and just, just bless them in a mighty, mighty way. Father, I just thank you that uh, years ago, there was a man that looked over this man and saw a gift from you, and he prayed destiny and purpose over his life. And Lord, we thank you that when Coach Phelps came here to Jennings, that God maybe didn't see everything was going to happen. But Lord, thank you that uh, God that he came as a man of integrity to build a great program. But now, God, you're building a legacy. And there's men in this crowd that heard a voice on that football field and began to guide and lead. And Father, the, the very thing we need in this generation or leaders and men that are like fathers. And God, I thank you that his father prayed over him as a young boy. And Lord, I thank you that his purpose of being a coach to lead other men in our region, in this area, God, that you're just bringing fulfillment to that, that vision and that dream that his father had in his heart. And Father, right now, we pray blessings over him. We pray blessings over Martha, over the boys and this entire family and the coaching staff this year and all the players, we pray that God, that, that through what God example that they're able to show, that God, they see you. And Lord, that all we'd be able to do is just point right back to you and say it's all about him and what he's done in our lives. So we pray your blessings and we pray, we pray favor that ain't fair yes. over this team this year. Yes. And Coach Phelps, 
In Jesus' name. And everybody said. All right. Here you go. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you need me to. Come on, y'all give it up for Chris. Obviously, I'm not going to be long because there's been a lot of things been said. And uh, as you know, I'm a short preacher, short message. That's a lie. But I'm going to try to do it. I just got back from Africa this week. And uh, we had an amazing and amazing time. And, you know, for many of you that you, that you know that uh, the journey that we've been on and my personal journey is that I've been dealing with cancer for four and a half years and God's touched me. I had it'd be seven weeks tomorrow that I had surgery and uh, went to Africa and the doctor texted me right before I went. She goes, you need to go, Bubba McCann. And uh, the neat thing is a, a guy that, and his wife that I prayed over five years ago they stood there, and I was eating dinner with them one night. He said, Pastor Rebel, you don't realize this, but my wife and I, we couldn't have children. And you prayed for us five years ago. And our little boy is going to be five years old in two weeks. And uh, there's no power in my hand, but I just believe there's power in God when you just trust him. And, uh, you know, while we were sitting there, she began to tell me, we were talking about our journey and stuff. She goes, you know, Pastor Bubba, I just found out, the day that I found out that I was pregnant, I found out that I had lymphoma. And the doctor told me, he says, I, you need to abort this baby. And she said, you know what, Pastor Bubba? We said we believe in life and not death. And so today our little baby, our little girl is four and a half months old, and God is touching my body. And so I just appreciate you guys giving me release to be able to go and the blessings. And, you know, what a joy it is uh, to be up here. I'm actually... And you might not know this, Coach Phelps, but my daddy was a coach. And uh, from the time I was a little boy, I followed him when he used to coach at W.W. Lewis, Welsh. He coached at Software High School. He was an all-state football player two years in a row. So there's football in my genes. And uh, I didn't go much. It ain't, I didn't go out of my genes. I've been on the field, just my school. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I, was, I did other things. I was All-American in other things. <laughs> And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I learned this, that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. Right. And, uh, you know, through my journey and just like you, you know, life, I just know this life, life has a lot of fumbles. How many you know that? And, you know, we, we, can, we can say, Chris, man, we're, we're so glad you caught that, you, you grabbed that fumble and, you know, you're a hero and stuff. But, you know, I, I look at it, our fumble started in the garden. How many of you know that? Where Adam and Eve stood there and God made a perfect place and they stood in the garden. And, uh, you know, and you, you've heard the story where God comes and, you know, they blew it. And then God comes in the garden and he goes, uh, he comes to the man first because the man had the greatest responsibility. You remember? And uh, what happens, and he says, well, Adam, what? He goes, well, Lord, the woman you gave me is that woman. And we know. And then and the woman goes, well, it was the snake. And God went to the snake. He goes, I'm a snake. What do you think? You know what I mean? But the reality is, is that uh, many people have, have bought into the lie. I, gotta, I just got to get myself together. How I many you know we all try to get ourselves together? We all try to do things. We try to dress right, be it right do all those different things. But, you know, Romans, it just says this, Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, no matter how good 
of a kid you were or of a little hellion you were in school, we've all missed the mark. How many of you know that? And uh, the one thing they say, there's not a sinner. There's no such, you know what? Uh, You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. And here, here's the bad news on top of the bad news. We can't do anything about it to fix it. But people all over this city are trying to be good enough, trying to be right, trying to do, do the right thing, to be right with God. I, I was working out one day at a gym, and I, was just, I like to talk to people, and I was just asking a guy a bunch of questions. and We're talking, and he's in there, and he's, he's working out and everything. And, and I go, uh, so what do you do? And he starts telling me what you do. And I'm asking him all this stuff. And by the end of the thing, I've asked him what he does. And he goes, he goes by the way. And, you know, he says a bunch of adjectives in there. I'm not going to repeat them. And, and, and he goes, what do you do? And I go, well, uh, I'm a heart specialist. He goes, wow. He goes, what hospital do you work at? I go, OSC. I've never heard of that hospital. And uh, I said, well, and I said, well, I, I, he said, well, what, what kind of, I said, well, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, shoot. I just said every cuss word under the sun. And I'm here because of the pastor. And it's like, you know, isn't it amazing? Like when you tell people what you do, all of a sudden they try to change what they are. And Ephesians says, God saved us by his grace when you believe. And you can't, you can't take credit you know, by his grace, when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we, we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Salvation is determined by gift. And the basis of everything Jesus preached, you know, a gift ceases when you attempt to pay somebody back. It's just a gift. You know, while I was in Africa, I was talking to Pastor Willem, and, and uh, we were talking, and he was telling me about this story about this guy that grew up, and he said, you know, I, I grew up, and my daddy abandoned me, just like what Chris said, and we've had many people do that here at this church, and one of the things that I know that God wants us to be as pastors is be a father to people, and, you know, I, I, and he was telling me, he said there was this guy that uh, he'd gone to jail, and he had never met his dad. And after he got out of jail, he was talking to this guy, and he ended up finding out it was his dad. And he goes, well, he goes, well, where did you go to jail? And he says, well, I went to such and such jail. And he goes, well, what block were you in? He goes, well, I was in C block. He goes, I was in C block. And he goes, well, well when, did you, when did you start there? And he told him the years he was there. Well, I just walked out when you walked in. He said, in fact, I built C block. Then he began to tell me about another man and how his father was a carpenter and he built a stage. And his son became a pastor. And the very stage that he stands on today is the stage that his father built. And I've learned this. We can either build a prison for our children or we can build a stage, a platform where they stand. And Coach Phelps, your daddy built a platform for you years ago and you know that. And you know, what, what a privilege it is that we have. And so, see, the, you can't produce divine change by human effort. All of us have tried to change. How many of you have ever gotten frustrated at yourself and fussed at yourself? How many of you have talked to yourself? How many of you talk to yourself every day? We're a bunch of crazy people. All right? We all talk to ourselves. But then, and we've tried to change. We get frustrated. So, you know, the incredible thing is, is so God-formed. You know, he, he gave a man, his name is Jesus, he came to earth and he died the cruelest death known to humanity. 
He took my guilt. He took my shame. He took your guilt, your shame, and he took it on himself. And the gospel is this. The gospel's good news because it's not about what we do for Christ, but what he's done for us. You know, Romans 8, uh, 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I grew up, my mother was Methodist, my dad was Baptist, his mama was Jehovah Witness, her mom, you, you've heard the story. My mama's mama was, you know, charismatic. My mama left my dad, married another man. He was Catholic. I didn't need religion. I didn't have my state of confusion. <laughs> and I got into high school. And I got, by the time I graduated, I'd been to 15 different schools. I got kicked out, asked not to return. I went to public, private, Episcopal, Catholic, and a few other ones. Those, those ones that they just look at you all day and say, Bubba McCann, you're not going to amount to anything. You'll be a ditch digger. But I've learned this in life. People put a never on you, but God never puts a never on anybody ever. But I had a grandmother that believed that would call me up in the middle of the night when I go out partying and say, boy, she goes, boy, the Holy Ghost woke me up. What you doing? Oh, I'm just about trying to find the keyhole to my apartment to get in, but I can't see, you know. And she began to just pray over me right there. For you have not called me and I saw the love of God, and I saw the persistence in God. And I remember going to the back of a boat deck one night, praying to God, if you're real, whatever it takes. And God opened my eyes through a bunch of series of events. And Jesus, you know, and what happened, when God opened my eyes, I began to see that I didn't want to run from God anymore. I wanted to run to him. My mom called Pastor Jacob, who was my sister, who was in his youth group. And he came over to my house. You know, sometimes we think the most important day in our lives is our birthday. But the most important day in our lives is the day we become born again. And you know, that day, May 15th, 1980, I bowed my knee to Lord Jesus Christ. And he came wonderfully in my life. And I remember going back to my friends. In fact, my friend, just my best friend was my roommate. I went back to my apartment where I had all my stuff, tore up my pornography books, a few rock albums. And my friend walked in and goes, hey, what did you do? I said, I gave my life to Jesus in my devil bag. And he goes, yeah, but some, half them albums are mine you're breaking. <laughs> and um, it's true. Got all my paraphernalia that I used to smoke my dope with and help people get some and all that. I was a friend to everybody. And I remember... Remember that night going out to the strip, that night to the strip on McKinley, in McKinley Street in Lafayette and started telling people about Jesus and what he did in my life. And I remember people were just blown away. Bubba, you? First guy, George, I go, Bubba, does that mean you don't? I go, I don't need that anymore. He goes, you don't need that. You know, I don't need that anymore. He goes, and he, he got real worried about me. And he goes, well, you still duck hunt, don't you? I said, Yes, George, I, I gave my life to Jesus, and I think I still duck hunt. I remember going to a restaurant. Well, Pastor Jacob's Mexican, so he took me to a Mexican restaurant. I, I was getting discipled well. And a guy named David Como came up to me, and he goes, Baba, you got some." I go, bro, David, I got something better than that. He goes, dude, you got some. I go, man, I got something better than that. He goes, dude, what do you got? I go, I got Jesus. He went, oh, dude.
The same Jesus, look at me, and I want to tell you something. The same Jesus that rescued me almost 35 years ago is the same Jesus that can, is with me right now in my journey. He's the same Jesus that will bring divine healing in my body. I'm believing that. You know? Uh, but, and it's not, I'm not here to, I'm not standing up here to have anybody feel sorry for me because he's God and he can carry me no matter what, what I go through and what you go through. And I'm here, Jesus, you know, the thing is, is that the question, have you been born again? Jesus answered him. You know the story. He said, truly, truly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Have you, have you ever gotten invited to a wedding? And, you know, when you get invited, it's like three envelopes you got to, you know, get to, and then you get the fun, and it has the RSVP, which means, are you coming? You know? And Christianity is not about an invitation to get more religious. It's an invitation to be reborn. Have you been born again? The answer to the question determines if your sin has been forgiven... And you're born. The answer is that the answer to that question determines if God is living his life through you in Christ. The answer to that question determines where you will spend eternity. See, without a confrontation, there's no change. And that's one thing about coaches can do. They can confront you. Knock out every excuse. But see, I've learned this without without I, I, without confrontation, you can't you can't learn to be a champion. You can't learn what it means to be an overcomer. And see, Jesus overcame for us. And and God wants to meet you right where you're at. That's the thing I love about God. You don't have to get all cleaned up or be a certain way. I mean, it's like a guy we wanted to take to a summer camp one year. And his mama would go, hey, Trevor's coming to summer camp. And the mama calls. She goes, Trevor ain't got enough drawers to stay for a week. He said, well, don't worry about Trevor. We'll get him drawers so he can stay a week. That's a true story, I promise you. But I just want to say this. God wants to meet you right now, right here, right where you're at. Your character flaws, your history. Let me ask you, how many of you ever lied? How many of you have never lied? Don't you raise your hand, liar. That's a, we've all lied. That's where we've all fallen short. We wanted to do the right thing. We wanted to be the right person. But sometimes we've just blown it. How about your history? God knows your history. He knows your baggage. Your, your ruined relationships, your bad re- reputation. But that, that's where you got to come to the cross. And that's what the cross is, that I come and die, that he comes and he lives inside of me. In other words, it's my will being crossed by the will of God and saying, God, have your way in my life. Because I've done my best and this is where I've landed and this is my best. But you have so much better for me. And see, I believe this is that, you bring your mess. How many of you had a little bit of a mess? You just bring your mess. You bring your shame. You bring your failures to Jesus Christ. And you know what you do? You surrender. God, here I am. I really don't have much to offer you but this mess. But the thing I love about God, he takes us from where we are. And, he, you know, God has a vision. God has a purpose for our lives. He had a design just for you and me when he created us. He knows your purpose and your design. See, this morning, I just want to ask you. Do you feel like you're at a place in your life? You say, Pastor Baba, I need to trust God. 
I'm not living the way I should. My life's a mess. I need God in my heart. Would you pray for me? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes all over this place? Because I believe this is a moment where God speaks. God's not a stranger. The Bible says, you know, the laws of God are written in men and women's hearts. You don't have to tell them what's right and wrong. God knows. You know. God designed you. There's not a Ten Commandments written in your, on stone in your heart, but you know right from wrong. And I believe this is that you can come and, then, and you know, if you confess him as Lord and leader and you accept him as your shepherd, you turn away from darkness and bondage and addiction and bitterness towards others. And God turns that light on inside of us and we call his name as a resurrected Lord and he becomes alive in us and through us. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Bubba, I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. I know that I can't do it by my, I've done my best, but I know where I've fallen short. But I need God's grace. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's power to live the way he wants me to live. I want to be pleasing to God. The Bible says this, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who's in heaven. It's not to shame you, but it's important. Your decision is the greatest decision you'll ever make, that you will trust God with all of your heart, not just bits and pieces. You want all of God, you got to be willing to lay down all of you. If that's you, say, Pastor Bo, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand. I'll pray with you this morning. Thank you. All over this place. Anyone else? Just give a moment. Thank you. Put it down. Many people. Many. Many. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Say, Pastor Bo, please pray. I, I, I want to trust God with all of my heart, 100%. I don't want to be ashamed. If that's you, just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you right in the front. All over this place. Just give you a moment. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead. God loves you. That's why he's speaking to you right now. There's a better way. There's a better life. There's a better plan for your life. God's got a greater purpose that you don't see right now. If that's you, say, Pastor Bible, just pray for me. Thank you. Let's pray. I'll just pray, but in your, underneath your breath, you just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, my shame. You died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven power on earth in a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I receive your invitation to turn away from my sin my lifestyle my shame my guilt and to be born again in the name of Jesus amen